Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I would like to thank the Temenes Academy for inviting Dr. Gomshei tonight and hosting this lecture. I'm just going to introduce him uh, briefly. Uh, he um, is a very well-known speaker in Iran. Uh, his background is uh, in the study of Arabic literature, grammar, logic, theology, jurisprudence, scholastic theology in Tehran. He got his PhD in Islamic theology philosophy in 1965 from Tehran University. Uh, he's the former director of the National Library of Iran back in the 1980s. Um, he has numerous publications, including selections from the uh, Discourses of Rumi, uh, an edition of the Divan of Hafez, uh, translations of Shakespeare into Persian, uh, and uh, he's very well known in Iran as an orator, as a lecturer, um, and um, he travels very widely to lecture. Um, in the 1990s, he gave many lectures at Temenos, uh, notably in 1995, 10 lectures uh, on Rumi here in the Temenos Academy, four lectures on Nizami, the per Persian poet. Um, and then in 2003, he gave a lecture um, uh, for Temenos on prophecy and poetry. Uh, I actually introduced him to Kathleen Rain, I guess it was the beginning in the early 1990s, um, and so he became very intimate with her and would visit her every time he came to London, which was at least once a year. Um, in Iran, his collected essays have sold out. There was something like 30,000 copies were sold um, a few years ago when it, when it came out. Um, he's internationally, well, he's nationally known in Iran such that anywhere he goes, he attracts crowds come after him asking for his autograph because he's always on television. He had one of the most popular television shows, a sort of traffic would stop when he came on to lecture. People would all go home to, to listen to him talk. Um, and I've witnessed myself in Iran going into a, into a town where he was built to give a lecture and you know, a hall would be booked for 500 people and there would be a thousand in the hall and several thousand out in the street sitting on chairs with loudspeakers. So, um, anyway, um, his erudition in Persian literature is uh, phenomenal uh, and his powers of memory are phenomenal. Uh, he, his eloquence is, uh, is remarked on by everyone. His scholarship and depth and profundity of understanding of the... Uh, literary tradition in Iran, the great, the great classics of Persian poetry and Arabic poetry is well known. So um, with that brief introduction, um, I, I should also say that he's uh, always on television in Iran. His, his lectures are always being broadcast, at least once a week. So um, any case, um, with that introduction, um, tonight he's going to speak on the veils of God and mystical commentary in the poetry of Kathleen Rain. I should say that he is the only translator of Kathleen's poetry into Persian, uh, and so he's sort of made her popular in Persian, just as she's better known in France, in her French translations as she is here in England. Um, at least she's known in Iran, uh, which has a very dynamic literary culture and a poetic uh, uh, scene. 
So, um, and then he came over actually this, this here, he was here in England to give the keynote address to this conference on Hafez, the great Persian poet who died in 1389, which he gave the, the address on the religion of love in Hafez. So, um, luckily, uh, since he'd come over to this conference, which I'd organized down at the University of Exeter, we were able to bring him in for Temenos so he could speak to us tonight. Anyway, please welcome Dr. Gumshi. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is indeed a great honor and pleasure for me to find myself once again in this Academy of Light and imagination. I remember that the late Catherine Rain, who is present here, I'm sure, used to put a candle, and I'm happy that still the tradition is going on, because the candle is the candle of imagination, which gives both love, which is warmness, and the light, which is knowledge and wisdom. Dr. Rain <clears throat> was a true poet. He was not a visitor to the realm of poetry. He lived a permanent, I, I mean, he had a permanent residence in the uh, realm of gold. As she has said in one of her interviews, uh, her father was also a professor of English literature. Her mother was not professor, but she was so versed, so acquainted with English literature that she says that wherever you started uh, Milton or Shelley or Keats or Wordsworth, she would continue the poem. Just like Dr. Lewison in, in Masnavi of Rumi, whatever part of Masnavi I recite, he goes on to read. So, but he says that my father every now and then visited uh, the uh, golden area, the golden realm of uh, poetry, but his mother lived in that uh, airy and in that mystic area of poetry. Uh, Catherine Wren believed that poetry is a different world. It is a totally different world in which you can take refuge, be a refugee of the realm of poetry, and then escape from this troublesome world, from all the troubles of the world, to live a happy and serene and joyful life in the realm of gold. This is what actually I am calling everybody to the realm of gold. Because uh, here uh, there is no geography, there is no history, 
you can find all great people and the elite of history in that realm. You can get acquainted with Walt Whitman, with Wordsworth, with Shakespeare, with Homer, with Sadie, and with Rumi, and all of them. They are in a, in a very big garden. You can have interview with them. You can read their poem. They, they would read their poetry for you. Kathleen Rain herself started poetry when she was no more than four or five years old. She has said that I couldn't write when I composed poetry. My mother wrote it down. And uh, her poetry was actually, as she says, particularly when she grew up and her poetry was more mature, um, when they asked her, what is the main impulse of composing or creating a piece of poem? I think there is a joke by A.E. Hausman that he said that if I have a breakfast with bread and butter and honey and I could have a bicycle which is totally my own, I wouldn't say any more poetry. <laughs> yes, but Kathleen Rain would would write his poetry just as a nightingale sings. The inner mysterious impulse that makes the singing bird sing, that is what poetry is. And he believed that poetry had nothing to do with words and letters and sounds. Poetry is wordless. Uh, entity. But then, uh, since we are in, in a world we have to communicate, then we have to find certain symbols and to express that poetry. But the poetry itself, as Rumi says, Rumi says, I want to tear to pieces all words and sounds and letters so that without these Ways I would speak to you, to his Lord, to his, to his beloved. So, Dr. Rain has written much, more than probably 15 or 14 books of his poetry have been published. And every time a new collection of her poetry appeared, it enhanced her her stature, her status and respect in the society because he was constantly going higher and higher in, in the art of poetry. And uh, in recognition of which she uh, received the golden medal of the Queen for best poetry, I think maybe somewhere in the middle of in the 20th century. And I remember that once we went to her house, uh, a robber had broken in, and then he was explaining with a smile on his lips, on her lips, that well, she might, the, the, the robber might have come from this window, and uh, uh, he has taken my gold medal. It is of no worth to him. Why did he take him take it away? He was so 
serene and at peace with all humanity. I chose this title, um, The Veils of God, purposely to give you the gist and the quintessence uh, and of, his, uh, of her message and her teachings. Dr. Rain has written a collection, many essays, and one of the best collections of her essays I have read is uh, uh, Defense of the Main Springs. Ancient Springs. Of ancient defense of the ancient Main Springs. Actually, uh, I was quite in harmony with her that we have to return to the ancient main springs like Sadi and Hafiz and Rumi, even go further to Homer and uh, Ferdowsi, because uh, in those times, um, poetry was alive. Poetry was uh, a whale in, in an ocean. But later it became uh, a fish in a limited pool, and now it is a fish which is uh, um, jumping up and down on, this, on the seaside. <laughs> because the poet himself is complaining about anything. They have nothing to say except uh, complaining that this is a world of darkness and so and so. Of course, Dr. Rain also once wrote me a letter that uh, I'm happy to have, find, to have found someone um, who knows me and I can communicate with him in this uh, worldness of in, in, in this world of darkness and ignorance but um, in his book called uh, this uh, return to ancient mainstream or defense of ancient mainsprings um, has a, she has written a very beautiful and insightful uh, essay about beauty, the uses of the beautiful. What use you can make from the beautiful? And uh, she has said wondrous uh, things about that, of course, inspired by uh, Plato and uh, great... Uh, illuminative philosophers. Now, this uh, veil of God, what does that mean? Let me start by a poem by uh, uh, Dr. Rain, uh, a, very a very short poem. She used to, to write very short poems and her long poems were not that much long. Sometimes three lines, like a haiku of Japan, that, uh, for example, one, my life, my life, whether long or short, whatever it is, it is a story written by my Lord. I am reading my own story. When you are living, you are actually reading the story of yourself. And now you are page so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, I had a friend who, near, when he was near death and he was sure to die, 
He said, oh, Dr. Rumshi, I, I have been a book of 58 pages. Now I am reading the age 58. Yeah. So this poem, which is called A Blessing, which is really a blessing to know that. I did not, I have not read anywhere else such point, except in Shakespeare, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, Goethe has said about Shakespeare that Shakespeare has not left anything for us to say. He has said, he has said everything. So whatever a new poet wants to say, he, you will find it somewhere, somewhere in the words of Shakespeare. But this you can find, but not with this composition and with this uh, concentrating on a particular idea. Some think me wise, generous and kind. May that image bless your need, your distress. So when you think that I am generous and good, I hope that uh, this good view of you, of you about me would bless you and would save you from distress. I hope I'm in your service. Now that you think about me, I'm like this. I am a hopeful, um, generous, uh, of good temper, person of good temper. Then I hope that this idea would bless you and uh, make you happy. Others see destroyer. Others see that I am a destroyer. Of course, he has mentioned that when a poet says me or I, he doesn't mean himself. He has achieved to the level of a universal self. When he's speaking of all humanity, poetry is not poetry when it is about a particular person with particular ideas. Poetry relates to humanity, even not to the humanity in this uh, world, but to the humanity as a, as a traveler from previous worlds to uh, coming worlds. And good poetry reminds you of your previous life and your future life. And uh, Kathleen Rain has written many poems about what is going to happen to you, what would be uh, the image of paradise she says that uh, when you walk on the earth as, of, of paradise, you are walking on music. It's wonderful, but uh, people may wonder how could we walk on such delicate thing and refined thing as music. But um, according to, to quantum theory now in physics, uh, we are not sure that we are walking on anything of less delicacy. Even now, we don't know what we are working on. Maybe it is music. It's because it is all harmony and um, system and order. Uh, out of this chaos, all of a sudden comes out birds and beauties and uh, all sorts of things. So he says, others see a destroyer in me. May that dread that dread aspect you hate and fear warn you, warn from the abyss. 
or if you see that I am not a good person, I am dreadful, so be, be warned that uh, there are some, there is a hell somewhere, and so beware not to fall into the hell. Don't follow me. Shakespeare somewhere says, these, our neighbors, are very good to us. And his friend says, well, uh, of course, in, in one of the plays, well, they are not good people. They are very nosy, naughty, uh, troublesome people. Shakespeare said, yes. I mean, the, his friend said, yes. They are bad people, but they give us a list of all bad qualities we shouldn't have. <laughs> so it is very good. They are doing a service. So, so Kathleen Rain says that if you see something good in me, this is a good service. If you see something bad in me, if you hate me because of certain qualities, then it helps you because you shouldn't be like me. You shouldn't, if, you, if it is dreadful, then you should avoid, should be warned. And then the last section is very beautiful. This is very near, actually, to Persian uh, mysticism and uh, the highest levels of flight of Persian Sufism. I can read a hundred examples from Rumi and Sadi and Hafiz to say the same idea. I am a mask of God, or I'm a veil of God. It is as if I'm God, but God has, is wearing a mask. That mask is called Kathleen Rain. And then when I turn my face towards you, it is he because the mask doesn't move. It is he who is turning your face towards you. So I am a mask of God among his myriad folds. There are thousands and thousands of veils in this world, and God is hiding, as uh, Victor Hugo says, God is hiding behind everything. But everything hides God, because... Um, uh, we are not in love with things. If you are in love with things, then they would be transparent and you, can, you could see God behind the veil. I speak more about how we can remove these veils and see God, because everybody is a veil of God and is hiding himself under that veil. Uh, among his myriad fold who turns to you, my face, who am no one, nowhere. So don't consider me anything. I am no one. I am nowhere. It is God who is everywhere and here and there, and he is talking to you. There is a story um, about Avicenna, the great uh, Persian philosopher and physician, uh, that once a lady happened to offer him uh, a manuscript, a book written by hand. There was no printing in those times. And he said, well, she said, Sheikh, I want to give you a gift. Well, Sheikh was a little bit uh, hazy to accept it or not because he was a minister at a high level and uh, he had the idea, I mean, a feeling that the lady was going to help him as a beggar. <laughs> uh, somehow he wants to give him a favor. He said, well, I have uh, vowed 
I have decided never to accept anything except from the hand of God. The lady smiled and said, Oh, I, I wonder why do you say that? You are a philosopher. Take it from the hand of God. This is the hand of God. <laughs> so, in Persian Sufism and in Sufism and mysticism everywhere in the world, the basic idea is that there is only one and one substance. There is only one substance. When you say God is one, it doesn't mean that God is one, but we are two, and that is three. It means that there is only one truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. He is the whole truth. And since he is infinite, so there remains no space, no place for anything else to, to claim to be something, because God covers everything. He doesn't stop somewhere so that you are here after that. If he could finish, then you could say, well, God finished, now from here on, it is me. While he doesn't finish, as uh, Ibn al-Fariz al-Misri, he says, uh, The story is that he appeared and manifested himself in uh, manifestations, in symbols, in veils, in mirrors, in shadows. Fazannu sevaha. No, one of the most important. Uh, words in Islamic uh, mysticism is ma means anything beside God. Ma they divide the world into God and anything except God. So, uh, Ibn al-Faris says, Fazanu, they just thought that it was Maseva, while it was himself. There is no Maseva. There is nothing except him. There was one and there is no one. I have often said that in Persian literature, uh, when we are going to tell a story for children, we start like this. Uh, it means there was one and there was no one else. And except God, there, is, there was nobody. And now it is the same. There is no one but God. So this idea that God is absolute truth, God is absolute being, And sometimes, as Kathleen Lane says, absolute nothingness. It is wonderful that nothingness is equal to being. Because uh, she has a poem, I couldn't find it here uh, to recite it for you, but she says she's praising nothingness. That Adam, or nothingness, is the source of all blessing, of all bounties, of all creation images of all soul and matter and everything comes out of this nothingness. What does that mean? Nothingness means absolute being because when you say nothing, it means there is no limitation. You are somebody, you are being, but a being limited. So when there is no limitation, 
when you take all the worlds, suppose that there is an eternal garden, infinite garden, this is your garden, this is his garden, and this is another's garden, and this is another's garden. There are thousands and thousands of gardens. But if you take the worlds, if you make it less, it becomes more. Less is more. If you take all these worlds, then there would be an infinite garden. So, uh, sometimes they say being, sometimes they say nothingness. Uh, uh, or truth, and they say that, oh, I'm sorry that it doesn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> I should have written it some, something else. <laughs> oh, yes, this is for this one. No, it's the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not going to go. <laughs> okay. No problem. So, this one, uh, Catherine Rain believed in only this one, who is at the same time uh, beautiful, because truth is beauty, beauty is truth. At the same time, the good, it's all goodness. It's all truth, it is all beauty, and it is all understanding and perception and sight. He can see himself clearly. So what happens? What happens when absolute beauty is in front of absolute understanding, the highest faculty of understanding and perception? What happens? Love is created. In fact, uh, one of the greatest uh, Islamic uh, philosophers, Al-Farabi, he says, مَا تَقُولُ فِي الَّذِي إِنْدَ الْحَقِّ تَعَالَ عَنِ الْحَقِّ What do you say about what exists in front of God, in front of truth, from truth? Here is love. Because when absolute beauty is in front of absolute sight and understanding. Absolute love is created. So love is the creation of God understanding and looking at himself. And uh, the key to all poetry of Dr. Rain is this. That is why he doesn't believe in anyone except that single one. The one remains. The many, what is the many? The many is just uh, a shadow. The many changes and pass. The lights of heaven, this is by Shelley, who was a favorite poet by Dr. Rain. The one remains, the many change and pass. The lights of heaven forever shine. The earth's shadows fly. World like a dome of many-colored glass paints the white radiance of eternity. So there is a white radiance. Then there are seven days of the week. You know the seven days of the week. Saturday is black. Sunday is yellow. Monday is so-and-so. Monday is green. And uh, uh, Tuesday is red. 
and Friday is uh, brown, sorry, Wednesday, and, and Thursday is brown, and Friday is white. So from white to black, all these colors are one. Even black and white are one. Why? Because black is, uh, absorbs all the light, so he has all the colors, but doesn't speak. Black doesn't speak. It is absolute um, silence. But here, on the other side, it has all the colors, but speaks of all the colors. That's white. White speaks, but they are equally, they all all of them, even yellow, have all the colors, but only speaks of yellow. The red has all the colors, but only speaks of red. So, <clears throat> the world uh, is a dome of many colored, colored glass and paints the white radiance of eternity. Now, everything else in the poetry... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. I don't need. Uh, I I won't use it anymore. <laughs> the white. <laughs> no, it's all right. Don't 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 help. So, <clears throat> when I was giving a lecture about Hafiz, I said first of all, let's decide. Who was the beloved of Hafiz? Hafiz was in love with who or whom? And then you can decide what is the meaning of intoxication, what is the meaning of revelry, what is the meaning of rendi, what is the meaning of all he says, what is the meaning of uh, all his uh, particular expressions, literary symbols, Tarso, Bache, or the beautiful boy, what is the beautiful boy? What's the beautiful girl? What is Turkish Shirazi, a Shirazian <coughs> Turk? They all, what is intoxication? They all have something to do with uh, that idea of the beloved. So the beloved for Catherine Rain is God. But God, not as a creator, not as a king of the day of judgment, but as a lover. She believes in God as a lover. She marries. She says that God married me. We are all, um, first of all, our soul is a woman, whether man or woman. This is the name of a book by Anne Mary Schimmel. She says that uh, in Islamic culture she has followed the idea and uh, the theories about uh, women and the appreciation of women. Uh, she says that uh, in Persian culture and in Islamic culture, our soul is a woman. In Western culture, it's the same, because what, when you say psyche, when you say psyche, psyche was the most beautiful girl. He is our soul, psyche and psychology. He was, she was so beautiful that even... Uh, the temple of Venus, who was the goddess of beauty, uh, was, 
was not uh, attended by people. Everybody came to seek Psyche. Psyche was most beautiful. So uh, Cupid, who was the god, Cupid is another veil of God. Everything is a veil of God. Even this angel, people are afraid of this angel. They say Israel or Israel, and they are, they are afraid of him. Why? He says he is the another, another veil of God. Uh, Gabriel is another veil of God. This tree is another veil of God. That is why all of a sudden, uh, for Moses in the wilderness, in Mount, Mount Sinai, he hears, well, one of the trees is saying, I am God. So every atom of the world can say that. Every atom of the world um, has both understanding and has beauty. So let me uh, tell you something which is most important about Kathleen Rain. She um, says that uh, the, the beginning of creation, the beginning of creation was when this one saw herself or himself. It's better to say herself because in everywhere in literature, uh, beauty appears in the form of a woman. So she fell in love with herself. And <clears throat> so what was the first voice in the world? She fell in love with herself and said, Oh, my love, my love, how beautiful I am. He is talking to himself. How beautiful you are. What infinite qualities and wonders are in you. So said, my love, my love. This is the lonely voice. In her, in her poetry, Rain has many references to uh, lonely words. The lonely word is the, the word of my love, my love. This is the big bang of Kathleen Rain. That's, uh, it wasn't a big bang that started creation. It was a my love, my love. So this my love was both heard and said. This is very important, heard and said. Why? Because everywhere in the world, every atom of the world can understand beauty. So he says, my love. And every atom of the world is beautiful, so can hear my love. So from one point of view, you are a lover. From another point of view, you are the beloved. You understand beauty, you appreciate beauty, so you are a lover. You are a lovely person yourself. Because Kathleen Rain says, I found that everything in the world, including myself, is lovely and love and lovable. So when you are lovely, then you hear somebody would tell you, my love, my love. And these two words are the most important words in the world because it, it gives you life when you hear my love. It gives you life and um, impulse for life when you say my love. When, when there is someone in your life, you call my love, my love. Every morning you have somebody, you can say my love. Then all your potentialities and all your talents would bloom out of this love. And when you hear that somebody loves you, again, you bloom. Because, oh, I am not alone. Because love is the only cure to loneliness. 
Love is the only cure to loneliness. Love is not just touching or being together. It is to fill each other's loneliness, as Kathleen Rain says. So I want to go into detail, some more details about uh, her other ideas, how they all are related to these ways of God. She has a very good piece of poetry about, about music. I can read it for you, a part of it. Let me first read Amo Ergo Sum. I love, therefore I am. You see, uh, Descartes, the great French philosopher, said, Cogito Ergo Sum. And I think, cogitate is cogito, I think, therefore I am. And some French uh, writer said, I protest, therefore I am. There are some other people say, I express myself, therefore I am. I am against you, I hate, therefore I am. You see, I, one of them said, I protest, therefore I am. Like um, Emil Zola, for example, um, so, Kathleen Rain says, Kogito, I love, therefore I am. If you ask why, what, what uh, evidence you have of your being, you can't show your hand, you can't show your face, because it is not you. You have to say, because I love. When you love, you are somebody who loves. If you ask, who are you? I am somebody who loves. I am an entity. I have no name, no body. I am just something that loves. I am a desirous person. I desire. Our soul, the main quality of our soul is desiring. You want. From a little child, you want something. You love something. You go on loving and loving and your love becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it covers the whole world and say, I love the whole world. I love my God. I love um, all universe. So, I love, therefore I am. This is better than I think, therefore I am. Because love is the very essence of our being. If uh, somebody, they, we call it in Arabic, they call it nafs. What is nafs or soul? It's something that wishes, that wants, that is in quest of something. When you are in quest of something, when you love something, then you, you exist. So that is why Hafez and Sadi, they all have said, if you don't love, then you are dead then you are not alive, because love is your, the, the very essence of your soul. So, <clears throat> again, I, will, I read a, a little part of this. Because I love, everything has been created for love. Because you love, then there is a sun. You have to make love, you, you need light. So that is why... If they say why they have created the sun and moon and mountains and the earth and the wind and, and sight and hands and... Why? Because, because they have to make love. It, these are the 
they are needed for uh, this uh, play of love in this world. So because of because I love the sun pours out its rays of living gold, pours out its gold and silver on the sea. Because I love the earth upon her astral spindle winds. Because there is no actual uh, spindle around which the earth moves. It's just astral. It's just you, you imagine it. It's something astral. Astral spindle winds, not wind, winds in turning round. Her ecstasy producing dance. Her ecstasy producing dance. Because uh, when the earth uh, is moving, it is not a simple moving, it is a sort of dancing. But since we don't have time enough to see the whole, it is very slow motion. If they put it in more speedy, then you will see that the earth is out of ecstasy, is dancing this way and going, and his, um, um, everything is changes its places. So, uh, ecstasy-producing dance of the earth. What great eye needs to see this through the time? It makes millions of years you have to wait to see such a great cosmic dance in the world. And she could see that. She could see that the, that the earth is dancing in an ecstatic way. And you know, in the Quran also, there is a verse that uh, all beings are, are moving towards God in, in, in a dance-like motion. We are coming with, with uh, revelry and joy and happiness. Because I love clouds travel and the winds through the wide skies, skies wide and beautiful, blue and deep. And goes on to say that everything in the world has been created just for love. The whole world is no more than a bridal ceremony, a bridal celebration. What is most important in a bridal celebration is the bride and the bridegroom. Other things are just in the service of love. So... Be a lover so that everything would be in your service. Otherwise, you would be in the service of someone else. Some other damad and arus. Jami says, A donkey was taken to a, a feast, a bridal feast. The donkey <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed and said, Well, they have not brought me here to be the bridegroom or to dance or they have just brought me here for some service to do some service so everything except love which is the main idea uh, you are losing your time that is why Hafiz and Sadi say well I tell you I show you the point of love and the point of love so that you could follow it Otherwise, you would lose your life because you would be in the service. 
If you are bad, a bad person, why a bad person is a bad person? Because he is not in the service of himself. He is in the service of some other people. The brothers of Joseph. Now Joseph was about to be a king in Egypt. And the bad brothers helped him to do that. Badness is always in the service of goodness. This is what Catherine Rain has understood from the world. So then he has another poem, most beautiful, that uh, I repent. I repent of this hand. I repent of this head, of these eyes. Why? Because they are claiming to be me. This hand and this body is claiming that I am Hussein Qumshi, I am Marzia, I am Razia, I am Jane, I am Jack. While they are not, oh, this, come and show them that they are not me. When this comes, all they will go, and then I will remain. So, oh, this, come and show them that they are a veil, even our body is a veil to our soul. Hijab jan mi tanam. This is what Hafiz says, that this is a veil, this body of me is nothing more than a veil that is concealing me from the eyes. And people still, people go to the grave of each other and say, well, this is Jack and this is, there is no Jack, Jack flew away, he's outsourced the whole heaven, he's no longer here, he could be hurt. I, um, once Dr. Rain was in a limited place, was sitting there in concentration with her most beautiful presence and inspiring presence in a particular place. But now you can see her in the sun, you can see her in the tree, you can see her everywhere because she was one with nature, she was one with the with the, uh, with the universe. So if you could see her in a particular place in those days, now you can see her everywhere. You can hear her. He can, she can speak to you from the tree, from the sun, from the moon. Everywhere you can find her. And she said once that um, we were discussing about um, the age. You know, everybody is afraid of his age going up and up and say, well, how old are you? No lady is <laughs> uh, would be happy to be asked, uh, how old are you? They would say, well, about 20 or 25, a little bit more than 20 or 35. But um, she said that uh, who is young? A person who has who sees many, many years in front of him. Is that right? When you are 20, then you can see about another 70 years in front of you. When you are 80, you see only 10 years in front of you. So the more you see in front of you, the younger you are. If you see 90, uh, uh, 100 years in front of you, then you are young. And then she said, now how young am I? I see in front of me infinite life. 
So I'm a nursling. I'm not a little baby. I'm a nursling of eternity. And she disregarded, completely she disregarded her age and her body because she was, she was living in a world where she was safe. She, she had no, no, no grief could approach her in that state. So I wanted to recite also, there is her marriage of psyche. She said that my, my Lord, first of all, she brought me here, I was asleep. I didn't know how, uh, how, he, how he brought me here. But when I opened my eyes, I found myself in a garden and the sky was above me and the rivulets and the brooks and the sea and the, the clouds and in, this, in our house there were singers in our house nightingales going around so he sees the whole world a small house of her beloved to, as a bed and breakfast he says that this world is no more than a bed and breakfast in for a couple of days, you stay here, enjoy yourself, and prepare yourself for a longer, longer journey. She has another picture. She, has, she was a painter, indeed, with words. She says that, uh, I am a diminishing star. It's very beautiful. A diminishing star is the falling star, because it, it passes by and... Uh, vanishes in, in, in an instant. The, the, go and catch a falling star if you can, as John Donne, I think he says. Uh, falling stars are the stars that just move quickly from among the stars. They are uh, meteorites in modern astronomy. Uh, she says, I am a diminishing star. I am moving quickly out of this world. I'm just moving out of this world. I'm going hurriedly. I'm going out hurriedly in one instant. I am reminded of a very beautiful Arabic poem. Wamal mar illa kashahabi Man is nothing but a diminishing star. And the light of it, which in a single moment, it brights, it's bright for one moment, and it shines for one moment, and then it, is, it vanishes away. Then it hides away. So there are some other subjects which are somehow related to this vase of God in her poetry. One is that pre predestination and free will, one of the most uh, debatable and one of the um, questions for centuries have been discussed by philosophers and theologians that whether we are free to do something or we are not. We are not. We are, everything has been predestined. Uh, Kathleen Rain, like our, our mystics, like Rumi, like Sadi and Hafez, he doesn't take side on either uh, 
uh, of the party. But she says, well, everything has been predestined, but you have to bear the burden of your sins on your own shoulder. You shouldn't say that God has decided. When it comes to the name of sin, when they say, why did you do that? You say, well, I did it. It is my fault. Put it on your shoulder. But when you are thinking about God, submit yourself to the idea that uh, everything has been predestined and he has written down everything that is going to happen. But at the same time, you are free and you have to act in this world according to freedom. You are responsible, I am responsible, everybody is responsible, and we shouldn't uh, escape our responsibilities. Even Macbeth is aware completely that he cannot, he, he says that if the murder could trammel up its consequences, you can't trammel up the consequences of what you have done. So you have to bear it on your own shoulder. It is better for you. Even though you believe that everything has been written by God, and this, in this stage of the world, all the world is a stage, as Shakespeare says, in this stage of the world, when we come out of the stage, something else would happen. But now that you are in the stage, you have to say that this is my fault. And uh, I... Omitting certain other sections, I speak a little bit about music, that music and arts, all arts, including paintings and uh, sculpture, they are all ways of God. Because behind music, if it is true music, some beautiful fair lady is sitting behind. Sadie, our great poet, says... Nirabist is a veil. My poetry is a veil. Nirabist har harf man zin rakib, zin katib, furu hashtevar shahedi del farib. Every line of my poetry is a veil, which covers the face of a very beautiful Juliet or Leila. So, if the poet has not such a beautiful fair lady behind her poetry, behind her music, behind her painting, then it would be just an image, an insignificant form. Insignificant form is the form that um, does not lead you to that uh, uh, bride, to that beautiful lady. So music has a shahid, pushteparde, means has a fair beauty behind the curtain. In Persian, we say uh, he is playing in parde, and we call every scale we call one parde. You say it means it means curtain, curtain. Because behind the curtain of music, there is something. And there is a joke about. Um, in, there is an anecdote that once Mullah Nasreddin, a comic figure in Iran, was playing sitar. He had put his finger on one of those parde one of those uh, curtains, as they call it. It means it stops. And he was playing all the time. And they said, well, what are you doing? You are boring everybody. You have to go up and down. 
it is not true. Said, you are playing just one note. He said, well, those who go up and down, they have not found it. I have found it. It is here. You see, they are, they are looking to find it. But I have found it. It's here. So music is the expression of one in multiplicity. But the multiplicity should be integrated and bring you back to the one. You see, because when you're happy, for example, you go to the to, to your piano, happiness is one. You are filled with joy that uh, you have received a positive response from your beloved that, yes, I will marry you. So this happiness has filled you, and then you go to the piano, and then create hundreds and hundreds of notes and rhythm and half a note and full uh, scales, and half a scale, a multiplicity, a numerous uh, multiplicity. But all of them, they are not just like playing a person who doesn't know music would make hundreds and hundreds and thousands of notes. It doesn't mean anything. It is insignificant form. You have to create significant form. Significant form, what is significance? Significant means God. What is ma'anin? What is the significance of music? Is God. What is the significance of poetry? Is God. Because if, um, actually I think it is Sir Walter Scott who says, oh my God, if there is a single line in my poetry which is not uh, the remembrance of you, cancel it. Because if it is not, it is not poetry. So in every line I have mentioned you somehow in some other name, I'm, I'm reciting your name in, your, in my poetry. So, Catherine Rain believes that music is, uh, as Dryden has said, uh, is the beginning of creation again. Because before music, there was chaos. Everything was in disorder. But then, a music, a wondrous music was heard. And every mm, atom went to its proper place, and then the whole world was put in order, and cosmos was created. So, and this harmony uh, was <clears throat> heightened and heightened until it came to man. And the best harmony and the highest of its harmonious sounds created man. Man was created out of music. And everything has been created out of music. That is why if you un untune the music of your life, then you create harsh sounds. Take but degree away, this is Shakespeare, take but degree away and hark what harsh sounds you will hear. Untune that string. If, if, because our being has been in a particular scale, if you untune it, then harsh sounds would be heard. People who are not properly, uh, uh, what do you call it, in a scale, then would create harsh sounds. And Catherine Rain says, there is a music in the world. Just listen. Even when you are in a, in a jail, like uh, King, uh, um, I think it was, uh, King, not King John, King... Uh, Richard or, or anybody, it doesn't matter. Uh, one of the kings, one king anyway. <laughs> he was in, in, in prison. If he could not hear 
the music of the world. He could not uh, warm himself up and uh, sweeten the music of the world, um, of people, and come out and become a king again. Because he heard that music. Emerson says, everywhere I go, even in the dungeon, in the darkness, in the foulest things, the foulest thing, I think, I say, I hear that music. And uh, Kathleen Rain says, they all we all return to that music. I have heard that music. And uh, when after this, we will all go back to that music. And that music is so great and wonderful that nothing can make it foul. The, our evils, has, uh, is, it is safe from our evils. It is perfect and pure all the time. So I think I bring it to an end by the message of Catherine Rain by this theory of um, this theory of uh, veils of God. When we came to know that uh, we are the veil of God, so we can somehow try to take this veil to remove this veil. And removing this veil, the only way is to love each other. Love makes everything transparent. To love a thing, this is what Victor Hugo says, to love a thing is to render that thing transparent. People become transparent. When you love them, you see them. You see God in them. So if we uh, look at each other as masks of God, then when a, a, a young boy comes to a young girl and proposes, he knows that, well, I am proposing to my Lord. I'm this is my Lord. This is my God. And on the other side, the lady would have a feeling that, oh, after all, Eros or Cupid has come to propose to me. How lucky I am, how blissful it is to be proposed, to be proposed. So we can love each other by looking lovingly at, at each other and remove that uh, veil and live, uh, as uh, <coughs> Catherine Rain says, we need not have any pain, any grief. Throw your grief away in the fields, in the hilltops, in the sky. Throw away all your grief. Come to nature, because nature is another veil of God. Nature is the outer garment of God. So you can go to, to God and sleep in the bosom of your, your Lord every time and have a life filled with beauty, truth, and good. And there is no fortune, no blessing higher and better than being constantly with beauty, because you are with God, with beauty, and with truth and with the good. You are enjoying all through your life. Thank you.
what I think we have here are the basis of several PhD theses. Um, he has summarized, you know, the theosophical and metaphysical and theological doctrines of her poetry, and he's done it, he's interiorized his po her poetry. I don't think anyone in this audience knows more about her poetry than he does. And he, ha he, has, he has actually given you the basis of her metaphysical thought, just as she did with Blake, he has done with her poetry. Anyway, we're very grateful. We have time for about one question, Peter? Uh, yeah? Yeah? Five, yeah? So one question or two questions, yeah? Yes? The one becomes two in order that the one may know itself? When one becomes two. When the one becomes the two or many, the purpose of that is so that the one may know itself. He's talking about the emanation of multiplicity, unity, yes. uh, emanation of multiplicity from unity. Yes. Is, that, is the reason for that because unity needs to know itself? Is that the reason? Yes, yes. Because um, actually, to know himself means to show himself or to reveal himself. Um, you know, <clears throat> there is a rule in the world that beauty cannot hide itself. Shakespeare says that if you close the door to the beauty of a, of a lady, she will go to the window. If you close the window, she will go to, in the, on the roof. And if she, she, you stop her from going to the roof, he will go out of the... Um, what do you call it? Fireplace... Like a, like a smoke, like a smoke, he would go out. So, Jami says, "Pariru tab masturi nadarat, chod darbandi sar az rozan barat." A fair, beautiful lady cannot stand not to be seen, not to be, not to show her beauty. So, whatever you do, somehow um, she reveals her beauty. So, God, being infinite beauty, so she had infinite uh, zest and uh, love and desire for uh, manifesting himself. So he um, created the world. Creation uh, was made out of joy. When one saw himself, he was so joyful because he saw the, the old beauty. If you see something beautiful, you would be happy. More beautiful, you would be more happy. But if you see infinite beauty in front of yourself, how much happiness is created? Happiness uh, creates uh, generosity and creation. When you are happy, you are more creative, you are more generous, you need more place, you start dancing, you, 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 you need more space. But when you are unhappy, you become smaller and smaller and smaller. But when you are happy, you just open yourself and your hands, and then you start dancing. Uh, Kathleen Rainey speaks of um, a wondrous dancer in the world who is constantly dancing, and with her dance, veils upon veil, and shell and scale falls down from him. Because when he's dancing, every now and then, one or other veil comes down, falls down. And she shows herself, because that dancer, that great dancer. So out of joy, we were created out of joy of God to see herself. 
Yes. And you know, we have eyes to see and we have ears to hear. Yeah. To hear words. But what I don't understand is what is the difference between image and words? Because they are both symbols. What, what makes them different? Do you know? Yes. You know, you actually, when you hear and you see, it is the same mechanism. You, your perception takes some form. Because music is form, painting is form, everything is form. Even soul is form. Um, this uh, Spencer says, uh, Edmund Spencer, that our soul is form and creates, he creates the body. The body is created by the soul. So, in the long run, you can change music into painting, painting into architecture, uh, architecture into, again, music. That is why some great musicians went to Alhamra. They sit there and they look and then start writing music because that is a different version of music. So they have only form, and form is God. Absolute form is God. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.